Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Creative Source with Andy Osho. This is the podcast about creativity for the creative in you. Doesn't matter where you are on your journey, whether you're starting out, whether you're mid-career, whether you're returning to the arts, this is the conversation for you. Also, it doesn't matter whether you're working currently as a professional or whether you're just um, indulging in the arts on an amateur level, just as a hobby. It's not about what you're doing as such, but it's more just like your enjoyment and your love of it. And this is a conversation all about that. So last week we talked about professionalism, being a professional. In fact, we've had two episodes about that so far. The first one was talking about kind of the practicalities, the things that you do to facilitate a uh, successful career and being a professional in that conducting oneself professionally, you know, that type of thing. And we came up with this, um, this definition because I was trying to distill exactly what does it mean to behave professionally? So I came up with this conducting oneself in a way that facilitates successful and harmonious work environments and relationships. The thing is, there's so, there's so many aspects to it that you could just keep adding words. So I thought I would just stop at those words. And in the first episode, yeah, we talked about the things that we can practically do to help with that. In the next episode, we started to sort of move into the territory of who we're being in our professional worlds. And just towards the end of that episode, we I was just about to sort of start talking about intimacy and stuff like that. And I just felt like I looked at my pages and I was like, there's a lot of notes there and I don't want to rush this. So let me just make this another episode. So here we are having that conversation as a separate episode. So let's start by talking about intimacy. Now, it came up in the last episode, uh, but particularly performance-based 
creative disciplines. There's a lot of, you, you need to make friends or generate, create relationships with people, bonds with people quite quickly. And on that note, actually, I, you know what? I think let's have the bite-sized advice now because James Redmond, who gave the bite-sized advice in last week's episode, he, he recorded another clip for me. And in this, he talks about having to create that rapport with fellow castmates, but he touches on quite a few things that we've been talking about this whole way along. So let, let's just hear the clip. Um, there's lots of gems to pick out of this one. I've been accused by guest actors on shows for, I guess, dicking about a bit on, on set, you know, but then I've said, look, I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm playing a, a nurse who's best mates with this one and lives with that one. And we've got this scene where we've got to be kind of chummy and friendly and it's a bit of an awkward sort of love scene. So we're just dicking around with that. You know, if you've got to be this patient who's pulling their hair out and worried about their um, life just find a space over there, mention it to the first AD and go and get your head together and we'll try and keep it down. So that was James touching on a lot of things that we've talked about, uh, respecting the people that you're working with, knowing who to ask for what. Now, I, I would say actually that it's, it's somewhat of a minefield on set because nobody ever teaches new actors who to ask for what. So when I started, I remember asking whoever was in front of me, I've got a question about costume and I wasn't asking the right person or I've got a question about when's lunch. And I was actually asking a grip or something. So knowing who does what on set is part of, we talked in episode one of this uh, trio of eps on being a pro about preparation. Part of that is, is knowing who does what. And actors, I would encourage you to educate yourself about the various roles on set so that you can be really efficient in your communication and make sure that whatever your needs are, you can speak to the right person and, and get what you need or communicate whatever you need to communicate. But he also, the, the reason that I, I use this clip now, and by the way, James is a, a great actor. He's most well known, I would say, for his role in Casualty as Abs and uh, Finn in Hollyoaks. But he's done like a bunch of stuff. He's been in Emmerdale and Mile High and things like that. And uh, Corrie as well. I think he did a bit in Corrie. And the reason that his advice is so great is because he's just been on so many sets and he's not just been on, on for an episode here and there. He's been regulars a few times. So his advice is really, really helpful. But yeah, in, in this clip, he does talk about uh, having to build a, a rapport with somebody, which in the performing arts can often be part of the job. It isn't just an added bonus. It is part of your job to build a believable rapport very quickly with the person you're working with. I was rehearsing a play um, last year and uh, a character was playing my son and we, we did some really powerful workshops, but it means like, you know, you go to certain places within yourself, you share, you become very vulnerable. Lines begin to become blurred. Now the environment that I was working in last year was very professional. So I felt safe to do uh, the things that we were doing in the rehearsal space of building up that family um, sort of dynamic kind of thing. But I can see how it is very easy for those sorts of behaviors to be misinterpreted. And so that's why I figured, look, let's just have a, a whole episode <laughs> about, about all that stuff. Cause it, it's, it's kind of, it's tricky and it's not 
clear cut. It's not like, it's not like we can say definitively this is right and this is wrong. It's context a lot of the time, but let's talk about it. The first place I want to start is personal space. This applies so much more in the industries that I work in, like to do with performance, you're spending time with people. But let's see, because actually I think there are there are other industries and other creative disciplines where this could apply. But we have to be really aware of people's personal space. And gone are the days where you can just grab somebody and hug them or, you know, give them a kiss on the cheek or whatever without really reading where they're at. And I know this seems like a shame of just like, oh, is this where we are now where we have to ask permission to hug someone or blah, blah, blah. But we we kind of are because some people have spoiled it and that's why we can't have nice things. <laughs> Basically, that's what's happened is that, yes, your intentions may be innocent, but the other person doesn't necessarily know that, or the other person may have some issues around that, that you just don't know nothing about. So one has to really read somebody else's energy to know how much into their personal space you can go. I saw a post by Amanda Seals uh, this week where she was saying, listen, telling me that you're a hugger and then going for a hug is not okay. (laughs) There's obviously some stuff that's gone down, but she was, what she was really pointing to was this assumption that we can penetrate other people's personal space without permission. We can't do that. I'm really interested also in this thing. I mean, this is kind of a side note, but I just think it's really interesting. This idea of asking children if we can hug them or if they would like to have a hug, rather than this thing where families do all the time of forcing kids to hug aunts and uncles and, you know, give the grandma a hug and all this. And it's just like, I I cringe now when I hear that because it's kind of like, "Mm -mm, I don't want a hug from someone that doesn't want to hug me. (laughs) I would like rather to say, hey, listen, youngin, insert name of niece or nephew, can I have a hug? Is that okay? Oh, that's so nice. Or no, all right, no problem. How about high five? What's the obsession with getting kids to hug adults? (laughs) It's like, it's just something that human beings have done since the dawn of time. It's like, give your Aunt Bunny a kiss. Um, Seriously, though, like not that, uh, you know, adults can obviously adults have agency, but children should too. But but my point is, I guess an adult probably feels like they can speak up more, but sometimes not even. So really, the bottom line is I'm not saying don't hug people. I'm not saying don't kiss people. But what I'm saying is read where they're at. And if it feels like, oh, it feels ambiguous, just go for a handshake. And even handshakes, right? In uh, the US, when I was going for auditions, a lot of casting directors, in fact, most do not want physical contact with the, with the actors coming in. They don't want hugs, don't want kisses, don't want handshakes, don't want any of it. Don't want to touch us, no touching. And this was prior to the pandemic. They just didn't want, because, you know, think about it from their perspective, they would end up shaking hands with maybe a hundred people a day, or maybe not that many, I don't know, like 30 or 40 people a day. And they just were not here for it. They didn't want it. And that was quite, um, I had to remember that whenever I was sort of traveling backwards and forwards, because in the UK, you know, casting directors can sometimes, if they know you well, they'll give you a hug or at least a handshake. In the US, mm-mm, they don't want it. So it's in your interest to err on the side of caution. And mm, I'm a hugger won't fly as an excuse to assume you can have that personal contact with someone or physical contact with somebody. 
Have a look at Keanu Reeves' uh, um, photos sometimes on red carpets and at press walls when he's with a female colleague. I don't know if he does this every time, but there's a bunch of photos where he puts his arm around the woman, but does not touch them. And like, it's epic. It's epic in its minutiae because he's just saying, I don't even know what he's saying, really. I don't know whether it's a fear of protecting himself or whether it's a respect thing or whatever, but he's bringing consciousness to it because it's easier to just throw your hand around someone, around somebody's waist or whatever. Guys, you see them do it all the time on like red carpets and press walls. He's consciously going, "Mm mm-mm, there's no permission here. So this is where my hand is going to go. Still looks okay for the photo. No one's even noticed it until now. You know, it's only like in the last sort of year or two that people have even sort of noticed it and started talking about it. So one doesn't have to feel compromised. One doesn't have to feel like, oh, we can't even touch people now. There's ways around it, as Keanu Reeves has shown us. Even like in communications, it's really hard, like, as to how to express oneself. Like, are we at a kisses on emails kind of place? Even like with my publishers and stuff like that, I was like, okay, they're kissing in emails. I'll kiss too. (laughs) But sometimes that is not appropriate. So as always, it's always about bringing consciousness to what we're doing. When it comes to children on set, the other thing I would add as well is that I've played mum to a lot of kids. And I think the thing for me, I know I have to build up a rapport because I'm supposed to be their parent. I'm supposed to have been with them and disciplining them and loving them and seeing them grow for 10, 20, 20 years or however old the kid is. So I know I need to build up a rapport, but I do it like I'm a teacher. Like I have that energy of a teacher at the end of class type of vibe with them. So that I feel like is a safe parameter in which I can interact with this child and still build up the rapport that I need to create a believable dynamic as me being their parent. Hello, I'm CJ Skuse and you're listening to Creative Source with Andy Osho. How about flirting? Let's talk, let's let's just talk about flirting. At work. Now, Flirting can actually be quite fun and innocent and actually platonic. Two straight women can flirt with each other, you know, and, and it's um, sort of more playful than, it, than, than it's sexualized, you know. So, I'm, so flirting doesn't have to be about sexual interest. But what I would say about it is be careful because it is such um, a, a murky territory and it's an art actually. And some people are great at it and some people suck at flirting (laughs) and some people go in and out of being great and then misreading and stuff like that. So if you feel like you misread signs a lot, just don't. I'm talking about flirting in the workplace while working. Now you're like, yeah, but I met my husband or I met my wife at work. But it doesn't mean you can't flirt. It's just be careful and make sure that Anything that is going towards more personal is taken outside of the work environment. That's the safest way to do it. That's what I would say. Now, as I said in the previous episode, I'm no angel, right? I've messed this up many times and I've done things I shouldn't have in places I shouldn't be. So I'm not saying this from a position of holier than thou at all. But what I am saying is learn from my mistakes. It's it's fine to flirt at work. Do whatever. Listen, ultimately, do whatever you want, Right. All it is, is there may be consequences, 
But my advice would be to be careful with flirting and take anything that starts to go into the realm of the personal outside of work. One thing that's really interesting on on set is that some departments, and I won't name them, they just don't get involved with talent. They don't get involved with the artists. They don't really banter. They They don't build up a rapport. They just kind of just keep themselves to themselves. And what somebody said to me about that once was, um, they know that if something were to happen, like, you know, a relationship were to start or there was some sort of sexual encounter or whatever with a member of the cast, and then it goes wrong, who are they going to get rid of? The crew member who they feel is dispensable or the talent. And unfortunately, it's going to be, well, I mean, times are changing, but unfortunately, most part, if there's some funky dynamic and it means that it's compromising what the actor is doing, most likely it's going to be the crew member that goes. Now, I don't make the rules and I don't necessarily think that's right. And I think it's probably bedded in some sort of dated idea of sort of onset dynamics, I, I would say. But still, for their own protection, some people just feel like, Do you know what? It ain't worth it. I mean, I've heard stories about cast members who start something up and then it doesn't work out. It goes so badly wrong that, you know, the writers are now having to sort of write different scenes for them or or, or, sort of shoot their scenes separately so that they never interact. They're never around at the same time. I mean, on The Good Wife, it's, this is well known. This isn't like to do with sexual contact, but just two actors not getting on. That's two of the leads. They had to scene together and they had to shoot them separately. They They were in a scene where they're physically supposed to be together and they had to shoot it separately because they'd fallen out so badly. So imagine if that was a sexual relationship or maybe it was, maybe that's why they fell out. I don't know. Anyways, but yeah, my point is it is murky territory. And so sometimes for their own safety, some um, team members just decide, you know what, let me just, let me just keep myself to myself, not involve myself with them people so that there's no trouble. Another thing is um, harassment. I mean, I'm not going to get into this because go to like the Time's Up Now website or some or something like that or follow the Me Too uh, movement hashtag or something like that if you want to have a more in-depth discussion about this. But, or, or, or you know, there's a multitude, a wealth of um, uh, commentary about it online. But one thing I will say uh, about flirting and uh, harassment in, and the difference between them is that flirting is more of an inquiry. It's asking the question, whereas harassment is more like assuming the answer. So flirting is, is and it's quite, it's quite, flirting is quite subtle. Um, it's like testing the waters for reciprocity, really. Whereas harassment is like taking without permission. So flirting is like, are, are you interested? Is this something, I don't know, can we just see? It's like that type of energy, whereas harassment is, oh, come on. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. If you can't tell the difference, if you think that everything you do is flirting and uh, you've never harassed, it might be, you might be better erring on the side of not doing anything. That's all I'm going to say. Um, there's a very different energy. Anyways, that's the point. I'm no expert in this field, so I don't want to get into it. But all, yeah, that, in fact, you know what? That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm out on that topic because I can't say anything more. 
Another thing to think about is like compromised situations, being in rooms alone and hotel rooms and things like that. It's just something to just be aware of. You may have a good relationship with the person that for some reason you end up in their in their hotel room space, but it's just to be aware of. I'm not saying don't do this stuff, but I'm just saying bring consciousness to it. Times are different now and people are much more aware of uh, what can go wrong in this situation or how things can be misinterpreted. I recorded an episode of, uh, this is when I was trying to do interviews for this podcast. I, I, I did an interview in a hotel room with somebody, but I, I asked, is this okay? Because I, I was okay with him, but I was like, is he okay with being in a, a hotel room just with me? Um, David Swimmer uh, apparently was doing an interview with a journalist, I think it was. And he asked her if she wanted a chaperone in the hotel room. I mean, it sounds like a chivalrous, gallant thing to do, but actually he's also aware of how things can be misinterpreted and how, you know, signs can be misread, not necessarily from the person who's interviewing him, but, so, you know, people seeing that is a whole world of mess now. And so the easiest thing to do is just to protect both parties by saying, listen, do you want a chaperone in here? Again, I'm not saying that's what has to be done, but it's just another idea, another way of navigating this. Another um, example as well is that I was on set with, and I had a scene with quite a you know well-known actor and they weren't off book at the time when we were about to shoot the scene. So I said, do you want to run lines? And he was like, yeah, sure. And I came into his trailer and I didn't think anything of it. But then when I sat down, he just said, it's such a warm night. I'm going to open the door. And as soon as he said that, I was like, of course you got to protect yourself. And I, I just felt really sad that that was where we are, but I would rather he feels comfortable having a woman in his trailer than, uh, we both sit there and, and or people are making assumptions about, Oh, I just saw Andy go in so-and-so's trailer or whatever. And obviously it was perfectly innocent. We were just running lines and we were just being colleagues, helping each other out. But this is where we're at is that guys particularly have to think about these things of just like, what's the perception here? Let me just uh, not make a big deal out of it, but do something that will protect us both. I've worked for a um, streaming company for a few jobs now, and they have a video that they make with guidelines about how to conduct oneself in, in these matters. This is where, this is where we're at now. And it is in one's interest to take those videos seriously because you say something that you shouldn't, you do something, you are away with somebody that you shouldn't be. It's like, it's, it's your own fault because they did tell you, they did give you guidelines. So as much as we want to roll our eyes at some of this stuff that companies issue, it's actually in our interests to just follow the guidelines and do what they suggest. Doesn't mean that we're now beholden and those are the rules but they're guidelines, they're advice based on everything that's been going on recently. They're advice to help to keep you and your colleagues safe. That's really all it's about. Creating a harmonious and successful working relationship and environment. Oh, all right. Thank you everyone, as always, who supported the show financially. If you want something for your money, 
why not check out Cameo, where I'm making personalized videos for folks. Um, if you want me to make one for you or someone you love, could be a happy birthday, a good luck, a sorry you're leaving. Um, I am happy to do that for you. Um, all the money goes towards supporting the podcast, but I'll make a video about whatever. If that's something that interests you, head over to uh, Cameo. You can find a link in the show notes and you'll it's super simple to do. We've talked about flirting at work and all that sort of stuff and, you know, possibilities of when it goes a bit peak tongue. But what about when it goes right? What about when it's reciprocated? What about when you've been flirting with somebody and it seems like there's something going on? Well, um, my, my only thing I would say is just keep it off work premises. It's just not worth it. I know it's hot. It is hot to like do stuff at work sometimes, like find a sneaky corner or whatever. Come on, let's let, let's just be real a second. Like a lot of us will have done that. I'm not going to say we've all done it because some people here listening are probably like very, very professional and I'm like the least professional of all of us. I've done it. There you go. Look, I said it. But yeah, I'm not talking about, but basically I'm talking about just being intimate with somebody. It doesn't, doesn't have to be Anyway, uh, look, we're in like very uh, quicksandy type territory now. So let me just backpedal. Um, basically, keep it off work premises because in a lot of environments, it's a sackable offence. Remember when there was that EastEnders actor who was caught watching pornography and pleasuring himself in his trailer and they let him go. And he was a popular character. So that didn't buy him any um, slack with the with the bosses. He was out. Largely because, you know, sort of public sort of, <laughs> it's just a shock and horror, I suppose, of what he, what he was doing or what he had done. It's just not worth it. It's your personal life. And it, it belongs in a different domain. It has a different energy. It requires a different part of you. It doesn't have anything to do with work. You didn't come there for that. That's the bottom line. You didn't come there for that or go there, should I say. You didn't go there for that. So don't do it. I very rarely, I hope, I hope this is true. I very rarely issue do's and don'ts on this podcast, but I've, I've got to say, I think that might be one of them. <laughs> but what about when intimacy is required for the job? I'm talking about on-screen intimacy where there is a scene where there is some kind of sensual, sexual contact. Oh, I mean, I, I bet this is a minefield. And actually, uh, I was hoping to have a bit of advice from uh, an intimacy director, but unfortunately she wasn't able to, it, it, it didn't work out in time. But uh, all I'll say is this, and this is obviously a very specific issue or area um, this is obviously just to do with filming and there's loads of different art forms where <laughs> this sort of intimacy isn't isn't really applicable. However, it probably does apply to sort of like, um, what do you call it? Um, um, new, you know, what do you call it when people paint nudes and stuff like that and draw nudes and things, all that, that type of thing. So the body is... And, and, and experiencing nakedness and naked bodies isn't just the domain of filming. But let's, um, I, I can only talk about that because it's really the area that I know. One thing is uh, to be respectful of the people who are making themselves vulnerable in this way, to keep the banter and stuff around them to a minimum and definitely not to talk about 
them and their bodies and what they're about to do. It, it's too, it's too vulnerable a situation. And even if they can joke about or take the lead from them, that's probably a better way of saying it. It's like, if they're able to joke about it, then you can too. But if you're not in the scene with them, don't joke about it. And even if you are in the scene with, with somebody else, they may be going through a lot to even just to be there and derobe. So you just going, ha and cracking jokes. It might not actually relax them, even though that might be your intent. Read the room, basically. And as always, just assume all conversation, everyone can hear what you're saying. So if you're a crew watching, or if, even if you're in the scene, it's just like everyone can hear you. Just assume that. And that will stop you saying anything that perhaps you shouldn't. Also, if you don't need to be there, don't. I remember Patricia Arquette talking about having to do a, a nude, a nudity scene and saying that if anyone in the crew was there uh, that shouldn't or didn't need to be there, she would punch them in the face. Um, she said, you know, she issued this warning. And um, though whilst I do not advocate violence, I can kind of see where she's coming from. It's just like, what the hell are you doing here? This is me and my most vulnerable of vulnerables. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't need like a load of guys in cargo shorts staring at me. If you don't need to be here, don't. Um, I was working on a play uh, many years ago. In fact, it was, um, more, you know, first year uh, of acting. And there was a scene at the beginning of the play where men had to be derobed. And I'm happy to report, actually, that we, the women in the cast, we kind of were titillated by the whole thing. and. At the time, it we made it like it was funny, it was banter, you know, all this sort of stuff, and 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 we laughed about it, and we, you know, we tried to sneak uh, into the wings when the show was on to 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 watch the boys when the show started, you know, watch them sort of getting dressed or whatever in the in the play. So the audience has seen them, but we we weren't as, and I'm I'm disappointed. Uh, that that's how we we were about that. We we were we we were where we were, and that's where our heads were at. And maybe we were young and foolish or whatever. But actually, what I realised reflecting back on that is that a lot of the conversation is around how men treat women. As a separate conversation, women do need to be accountable for how they treat men and and their bodies as well. Particularly, like we're talking in the context of like professionally on set on-screen intimacy or nudity and things like that. We have to be respectful too. There's no point in us sort of tub-thumping about how we want um, certain rights or to be respected when we don't give the same. Now, the two things I, I say are not the same because the construct of society is very much still in men's favor. So men, male, the male gaze is still, still shaped a lot of our narratives and our society and all the rest of it. So I'm not comparing like for like when I, when I talk about women, um, uh, the woman's gaze on men, as opposed to the men's gaze on women. I know it sounds like it's the same, but it isn't. And that's a whole other conversation, but just take my word for it. It isn't the same, but that doesn't mean that women can't afford men the same respect when it comes to their nakedness, because they have insecurities too. They have concerns about their body and body image and things like that. That is not the preserve of women. A lot of the negativity around body image is directed towards women, probably I would say disproportionately, but it doesn't mean that men aren't susceptible to it too. So we as women need to also be respectful of men who are making, putting themselves into a vulnerable situation when it comes to on-screen nudity and intimacy as well. So guys, because this episode was kind of like a last minute thing, I don't actually have a listener's comment on this specific subject. 
But hopefully there's still enough content here that it at least sparks thoughts in your mind about how to proceed, how to conduct yourself in work environments and outside of work environments when you're connecting with people that you work with. It's not finite and clear cut. I get that. But just bringing some consciousness to it will um, make it a little easier for you. If you want to support the podcast and you would like something in return, then do check out Cameo link in the show notes where you can have me make a video for you, uh, a personalized video for yourself or for a loved one. And all the proceeds go towards supporting the podcast. right. So listen, guys, let's just wrap this one up. Okay. So what are the key points overall, not just to do with intimacy, but overall to do with being professional at work? I think um, one of the key things for me is read the room. Like we tend or, or can often not take into account where somebody else is at. We are all constantly giving each other messages about where we're at, what's appropriate for us, what our expectations are, non-verbally. But what happens is a lot of times, often we're unconscious when we're receiving other people's messages. In a workplace environment, your antennae need to be a bit more alert and they need to be reading the room. So read the room, read the people around you, learn to do that. Be respectful. If you start there, you can't go wrong. People may find you a little distant, but better that than grabby, handsy, overly flirty, um, inconsiderate, always late, you know, whatever. Be respectful, be appropriate. And if you're unclear, ask. It's better to ask and just have an awkward or maybe slightly embarrassing conversation than just to get it wrong with somebody. If you're in doubt about something, refer to somebody refer to a senior, uh, one of your bosses, refer to your agent, whoever it is, but speak to somebody, either speak to somebody in authority or speak to somebody confidentially who can at least advise you and tell you how to deal with. Don't suffer in silence. There's no, there's no need for that. Work dynamics are, are changing and it is something that not everybody gets or we all at some point don't get something. So if there's something you're not sure on, ask. If you're in doubt about something as well, I just thought that I had this thought, just think, what would my boss say if they saw what I was doing or what I was saying? Really, what would they say? I think that can be quite a helpful indicator of whether you're doing something you should or shouldn't be doing. Or think, what would people say if they saw me doing this publicly or saying this publicly? That will also give you an indicator of whether you should be saying or doing the thing that you're doing. Be kind. There's no situation where kindness is not in accord with professionalism. Be responsible. You know, we've spoken about responsibility other times in the podcast. Being responsible doesn't mean taking the blame. It just means being responsible for yourself and your conduct and what you do and what you say. Um, And also compartmentalize your emotional life from your work life. Now that isn't to say that emotion can't be part of work. And sometimes emotion drives our work, but there's healthy ways to express that emotion and non-healthy ways. Again, that could be a whole other conversation, but ultimately when one is accountable for who one is being in the workplace, we can 
start to cultivate this successful and harmonious work environment and work relationships. I'll say it one last time, who we are when we conduct ourselves at work is as important as any talent or skill that we have. So this is as much an important area to cultivate as your talent. Guys, thank you for for sticking with with this kind of, oh, this shape-shifting and growing topic. I I thought it would be one episode. It ended up being three, but that's often the case because there's so much to these things when you start to unpick them. So I really appreciate you sticking with that. Thank you again to James for that great advice that covered so many different things. Also to you guys for just being part of the conversation and showing up week after week. I'm, I'm loving having this conversation with you. So I really appreciate you giving me the space to sort of tease out these ideas, think through uh, certain areas of my creativity and see the areas where I'm sort of challenged and where I'm winning and the changes that I can make and all kinds of things. So I really, really appreciate it. If you want to continue to be part of the conversation, um, send me listener comments or anything like that, then do follow the um, social media accounts. Links, once again, are in the show notes. Otherwise, I will see you at the next episode, which is about being multi-talented. All right, guys, have a great week. Keep creating and living in gratitude that we're able to live this creative, artistic life. I'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Creative Source. If you're looking for more support with your creative journey, I'm offering one-to-one online mentoring. Perhaps you want to launch a project but don't know where to start. Maybe you've got stuck around a certain issue, need some advice, or just want to bounce ideas around. Whatever it is, I'm here. Just hit the Patreon link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash creative source with Andy Osho to find out more.